The only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is to not become a saint. Leon Bloy. History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and today we're trying something a little bit different. You may recall that in the past I've done episodes about hagiography and history, and how hagiography can be important to history. I've also intermittently done what I call a Sunday Ramble episode, but I never managed to do it with any consistency. Well, what I want to try and do, at least one Sunday a month, and maybe more, is combine hagiography, history, and a Sunday ramble with a look at the saints of the past, because they are part of history. Some of that history has been revisionist, and I will point out where it has, but for the most part, it's just to introduce some historical figures that most people have completely forgotten about. For this first episode, which I'll admit is starting a little bit late on Sunday, but will be more timely going forward, I want to look at one of the first popes. Now, not many people throughout history get the title of the Great added to their name. Probably the two most recognizable being Alexander the Great and Catherine the Great. It happens even less when talking about the popes, as only three have been so honored over a 2,000-year period. St. Leo the Great, St. Gregory the Great, and St. Nicholas the Great. A fourth, St. John Paul, has increasingly been called the Great, but it's neither widespread nor official at this point. There's likely no one over the age of 20 who doesn't know who John Paul II was, and probably most under 20 as well, given the impact the man had over a 26-year pontificate at the end of the 20th century. It could easily be argued, however, that Pope St. Leo the Great had an even bigger impact, and few, if any, today know anything about him, including practicing Catholics, and that's an error that needs to be corrected. One interesting note about Leo is that Leo was his birth name, because the tradition of popes taking a new name didn't begin until the year 533. Not a lot is known about Leo's early life, except that he was born into an aristocratic Roman family in Tuscany in the year 400. And by 431, he was well-known and well-respected for his holiness, intelligence, and an ability to reconcile disputing groups of Christians, which was no small thing. In 440, he was on a mission to Gaul to bring peace between a military commander and a chief judge when Pope Sixtus III died and Leo was unanimously elected to succeed him. Now this shows the respect he had both among the people and his fellow clergy because unanimous elections were as rare then as they are now. Leo took his role as the successor of St. Peter very seriously, and unlike many before or since, he was able to balance the dual aspects of the papacy, attending to both the administrative and spiritual issues with equal energy. He was also the first pope to claim to be Peter's heir rather than simply his successor, which is important, 
because by Roman law, this meant he held all of the rights and duties associated with Peter. This idea developed into the popes being seen as having authority not only over the people, but also over their fellow bishops, based on the passage from Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. This helped solidify the role of the Pope as we know it today. Leo was tireless in rooting out the many heresies that cropped up in the early days of the church. The most significant ones that he battled successfully were Pelagianism, which denied original sin and minimized the necessity of God's grace for salvation, Manichaeism, which saw the human body, creation, and even matter itself as evil, and finally, the heresy that questioned the truth that Jesus was both fully human and fully divine. I said earlier that not many people know about Leo today, but those few who do probably know about him more for a decidedly non-theological event. In the year 452, he met personally with Attila the Hun near Mantua, Italy, and persuaded Attila not to sack the city of Rome, as he had been doing all throughout Italy at that point. The most reliable sources quote Leo as appealing to him to have mercy on the people of the city. And it's also said he paid a huge ransom for Attila to turn back. And tradition claims that Attila also saw a vision of Saints Peter and Paul above them during the meeting, which caused him to spare Rome. Leo died on November 10th, 461. His body rests in St. Peter's Basilica under a marble relief depicting his meeting with Attila the Hun. He was declared a doctor of the church in 1754. And during his general audience on March 5th of 2008, Pope Benedict XVI called Leo's papacy, quote, undoubtedly one of the most important in the church's history, end quote. Nearly 100 of his sermons and 150 of his letters have been preserved after more than 1,500 years. The great isn't a title that gets tossed around lightly. And Leo certainly deserved it. I hope you have a great Sunday. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're finding this podcast both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll help us create more content and go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again.